Welcome back to My Brother's Deeper, a podcast about two brothers. One lives in England, one lives in Chicago, one's a pastor, one's a writer. Last week, or last time, we talked about uh, Abraham, and we kind of, we it was the first time that we put it on social media, and we got a lot of really good feedback. I think more mostly people were starting at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, I had an ex-roommate from L.A., who I don't even talk to anymore, that contacted me through Instagram and said, listen to the first episode, loved it. Got a lot of good feedback. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, you got a microphone out of it because somebody was. <laughs> yeah, you know, once uh, once we start getting a few listeners, you know, you got to you got to beef it up a little bit. No, we've I think just posting it, like you said, on some social media, just friends and um, other people, you know, acquaintances are, are kind of interested in it. So, yeah, I've had a couple people um, said that they've started listening and and. Um, we're encouraged by it from the standpoint of like it's an interesting story like it's interesting um our perspectives on things and the way that we're coming about it and probably too just even the tone right like we're not you know adversarial in the way that we're talking about yeah i had a a friend tell me that too he said that you guys do a good job of um coming from different places but not capitulating to each other yeah yeah i was like So that was cool. It's good to get the feedback. I also wanted to do a thing where I did a correction because I said something. I said something about Kierkegaard being um, Dutch. He's not. He's Danish. So my bad. Um, (laughs) Hey, that's good though. You know, I don't know if you if if you listened to that one and felt. I don't know what you felt about the last one about Abraham. Did you? I felt good. and I appreciated the way that it unfolded because like I was telling somebody just to be perfectly honest again, uh, this is me raising my hand is that I wasn't fully prepared to have that discussion because we had talked about it like over messaging of like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And then I think a week or two went by. And then when we started recording or, or right before we started recording, you had mentioned, yeah, I remember this is what we're doing. So I felt like I was kind of like having to put together some thoughts rather quickly. So, but I think the way that it just unfolded, it made it easy to talk through and um, just kind of come at it from our different angles. So, yeah, I feel, I feel like we should do more of that type of talk, but we're going to today talk about our dad, which we mentioned before in pieces. Yeah. But we wanted to kind of lead into that because of Abraham and the, the his whole issues with being a father because his are more probably more extreme than most but we're just going to start at the beginning he was born in bastrop louisiana uh, he had health problems right do you remember that when he we were yeah. kids when we were kids he'd like for some reason he'd have his shirt off a lot do you remember that <laughs> yeah i think that During was the summer, a, little bit, a little bit of the culture there you know like anytime, right anytime you played softball you just took your shirt off. <laughs> but it was just hot in Louisiana during the summer, and, you know, you go shirtless. You did. Sometimes. I mean, you know, sun's out, gun's out. Yeah, he had no guns. That's true. But he had this big scar all along the back of his, on his back. And from what I remember, it was when he was a baby, right? They had to cut him open, and he had, because he had, you like, did? a heart. 
is back, you seem to not know that story, or did you? No, 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 I did. No, I yeah. know. As far as I remember it, I mean, maybe we have a different understanding of it, but my my um, recollection, yeah, he had a big scar on his back, and when he was born, um, there was a heart issue, right? Like there was something that needed to happen. Like there was a flap, I think that normally either closes or normally normally you grow out of it. I don't remember exactly, but there was something that they had to go in and correct when he was like really, really young, right? Like under two for sure. Yeah. He was a baby from okay. what I could gather. It was very early on. And who really knows how hearts work? Do we know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I obviously, I'm sure we, I'm sure there's some people out there that do. I'm sure sorry. there's some cardiologists out there. No. If you're a cardiologist, listen to this. Sorry. Uh, but he was, yeah, he had that. It's always weird to me that he still had that scar, though. It was so pronounced on his back as an adult. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, that was in the early, mid-50s. That and they, they didn't have lotion to put on scars? Well, I don't know if they had that type of, that type of uh, surgery available that could limit the scar tissue. Yeah. You know? So, That's a good point. So I'm sure it was a fairly eva- or invasive procedure that caused quite a bit of damage just to the surrounding muscle and stuff. But nonetheless, you know, it seemed like after that happened, like there weren't a ton of issues, right? Like maybe he had a little bit of asthma, but other than that. Well, I think he was sick. He was in bed for a bit. Oh, how long? I don't, I don't know. See, this is another hole in the story. It's an unfortunate thing that he died when we were young. So we don't, there's not, we couldn't, we don't have the ability to ask him, and at the point that he died, we were pretty young and probably not thinking of those things. But well, and j- just for clarification: young, as in not kids, but young, as in young adults. Like we were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was nineteen, right? Twenty. Yeah, so it was uh, ninety-eight. So. Was it ninety-eight or ninety-seven? It was ninety-eight. March of ninety-eight. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd have been twenty. It's been 23 years since yeah. he passed away. So, yeah. So think about that for a second. We've been alive longer now without him yeah. than we were with him. I meet people throughout life, and they've had a, a parent die, you know, maybe rather recently compared to our situation. And they're still sort of dealing with it, you know, like it's yeah. really hard for them. And they're like, how do you deal with it? And it's like, it's been 20 years. And like, there's a point that you get to where you're, it doesn't affect you, affect you as much. I don't know. Like, you don't, I don't know how you feel, but I, I mean, I think about them. Like, I think about there are times where it'd be like nice to ask a question. Oh, no question. Yeah. I, for me, I think that's the greatest loss, actually. Like, I, I don't think I mourn as much of of what I miss from him that I knew. I think I mourn more what I never got to experience with him. You know, like I don't, I, I think the idea of having an adult relationship with your parents is something that I long for the most with him. And, and so conversely, that's what I look for to the most with my own kids is having an adult relationship with them. So yeah, just simple things like, you know, um, I, I don't know, buying your first home or your first car or, you know, having your first child or getting married or just making decisions about like, you know, hey, dad, how did how did you handle, you know, your 401k or, you know, 
that sounds silly stuff. I know, but but just just stuff like that. I'm I just like I don't think that's probably a good a good question because he probably didn't have one. Well, I'm I'm pretty sure he did in his second marriage. It may not have been in his name. Yeah, we'll get into that. We're getting kind of ahead of ourselves. We were supposed to yeah. be talking about when he was alive. <laughs> no, uh, I know, but I, but I think when you ask the question like, what do you, how do you deal with grief, or how other people deal with grief? To me, it's not so much missing what we had, it's just missing what we never had. Right. <clears throat> but getting back to the beginning of his life, he was a sick kid. I don't know how long he was in bed, but I get the the feeling that once his sister was born, Sherry. She had mentioned some things about how he was like the favorite, you know, their, especially their mother with their mother. And, and I think that was because he was sick. You know, he was a sick kid. And... Yeah, I definitely remember that sense of of him being protected because of whatever he had gone through with that surgery and whatever ramifications were after that. He grew up in Bastrop. Which we've talked uh, about that small town. Yeah, and I think that he played sports. He said he would. He did. We're, we're going to get into something really early with him, okay. and this is my my perspective. He kind of told some tall tales. <laughs> okay. As we were growing up, but I, I mean, you, right? You agree? I, I mean, I guess it depends on what you're saying is a tall tale. Like, I mean, yeah. So I guess we, I'll let you kind of unfold that because I'm Not sure there were was, some things. I don't think he was that athletic. But he kind of made it seem like he was. No, no, no. I don't – I mean my perception was that he was obviously not super athletic. You could just tell by his build, um, and he was even skinnier, I'm sure, when he was a kid. But what it always came across to me was that he he was someone who would work hard, someone who like would do the dirty business of – you know, in basketball, he's going to take the charge, and he's going to jump on the floor and that sort of stuff. And, really? And, yeah, because listen, I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but like one of the tall tales possibly that he would um, talk about is who his high school basketball coach was. Do you remember this? No. His high, his high school basketball coach was a guy named Leon Barmore. Right, who went on to coach Louisiana Tech women's team. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, won yeah. multiple national championships. Right. And so when I was at Tech, um, I was at a place where Leon Barmore was. He was speaking, and afterwards I went up to him. And I just introduced myself, and I was like, this might be random, but my dad played for you in high school. And Leon Barmore totally remembered dad. He did. Yeah, he did. So wow. he definitely was on the team, and he definitely, you know, in some way made an impression. So, you know, he was good enough to play on a team in high school, which is, you know, no small feat. Yeah. Okay, I'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> But he, okay. he definitely. There's so, much, there's so much skepticism in your voice. Yeah, right I just don't know. I don't know, man. Like, I'll give it to him though. He's. <laughs> he always used to say these things though that like about like he would have been starting and then they integrated. No, I don't. That? That. I don't remember that at all. He, he said that to me more than once. Okay, all right. He was like, "Yeah, I was gonna be." He was a joke. <laughs> But he was like, yeah, I would have been, I would have been starting my senior year, and then we integrated, 1969. I mean, I mean that could be possible, you know, like if it were like this all-white school that, uh, you know, a bunch of, you know, just average Joes were playing, maybe he would have. I don't know. Could be. Who knows? Yeah. But anyway, he, 
I think my point that I'm trying to make is he was more of a book guy. Like the book, his head was in books. So he was reading science, a lot of science fiction and Maybe. fantasy. Yeah. And he was an Sorry. artist. Yeah. Then and he went to, I guess he went to NLU. It was called NLU at the time. It's called uh, Ulamon now. <laughs> right. Louisiana Monroe. Now, actually, my my understanding is that he went to Louisiana Tech for a quarter. That that's where he started, mm-hmm. and then for whatever reason, I don't know the story, left, dropped out, got kicked out, I don't know. But he left there and then ended up at NLU, Northeast Louisiana University. Do you think he got kicked out? I, I mean, maybe for grades, possibly. Right. You just know? Some, yeah, academic probation? Yeah, I mean, you think yeah. about it. Like, it fits, it fits the profile, right? Like, here's a guy who um, – Maybe was a little overly mothered, you know. That that's that's yeah. kind of the idea that we got from his being sick and talking to his sister, our aunt. Um, he's away from home for the first time, you know. A lot of college students face that situation where you know he's maybe goes a little crazy, doesn't go to class. I, I mean, I don't know. I never heard anything about it. All I know is that I, he went to tech for one quarter, left, and then he went to NLU. When did the army come in, though? So that's a great question. That's we a really good do, question. We should do more research before we get on here and start we talking. We should be way more knowledgeable, shouldn't we? <laughs> you know what? I've got – So I've you know some, we know how old he was when we you do. were born. If, and if you keep talking, I think I can go and grab something that might give us a little bit of insight here. So hold on one second. Yeah, so he – might have went to Louisiana Tech for a semester and then went joined the army after that, like That's right possible. after that. And then yeah. after he was out of the army, he went to NLU for a bit. It's all a little murky as far as that goes. But we do know he was in the army for four years. Don't know when college fits into that timeline, but okay. So I I happen to have right here. It's funny because if we were doing this – if I was at my house, I wouldn't have this, but because I'm at my office, I have it. I've got his um, separation from active duty from the Army here. All right. And you just date, happen to have – wait, how do you just have that in your office? I, I got a lot of random stuff here, man. Um, so it says that – okay, let me see if I can read this the right way. The the, the date on this is this is – the 1st of October, 1974. Okay. So he's been 22. He was born in 52? He was born in 52. Yeah. Yeah. So, so 22. So he must have went when he was 18. He must have. So maybe maybe he went to school. Afterwards, GI Bill? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that I've, I remember him kind of talking about the GI Bill. Yeah. A bit. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the story. Yeah. Yeah. Because then because then it has on here how long you're in reserves and he was in reserves till 79 so that's another 5 years. Whoa. I know. Do you have to do things like every other weekend when you're in once, the reserves? Reserves is once a month. Okay. Yeah, so you would go to a base, do some training, and that sort of stuff, but they're still paying you at that point, so you're getting something like financially from it. But to think about that's interesting, Josh, because you think about it, I don't have any memory 
and I mean, I, I don't expect you would, but like he's doing that while we are born. Like we're alive while he's yeah, doing yeah. That. yeah. I, don't have, I don't have any. I wonder if mom had to do that too, though. That's a good question. I don't know. She um, may have not done the GI Bill though. Oh right. Yeah, I don't think she did. Yeah. So when he was growing up, I think that he was. I think we might have mentioned this that he was, he probably was a bit religious, right? His family was for sure. But I think he was. You do? I don't know if he was like I thought he was atheist, and then you say he's agnostic. I think yeah. that you know I definitely went to church growing up. Yeah, his family. I mean, his 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 mom and dad. Uh, probably his mom more was was very religious, um, and they were in church quite often. I remember him telling me, um, you know, he would bring comic books to church. You know, when <laughs> everyone. I was, mean, who doesn't? <laughs> well, that's a good point. Um, yeah. So while everyone's trying to read the Bible, he's reading that. Um, but yeah, so I got I got the sense that he was raised that way, but then once he was old enough to kind of make his own decision, he was just like, I'm rejecting that. I felt like it had something to do with his mom dying. So I think you're right. Yeah, he meets her. So. He, he meets her. Our mom in the army has you been over this, and his mother dies at 45 years old from cancer. She gets cancer on her eyelid. The doctor. Uh, misses it. He whiffs on it, some kind of like a you know abrasion on her eyelid or something. It grows into this cancer, and she doesn't get uh, treatment for it. So it just goes and gets all gnarly and goes into the brain. And now, real quick, do you, do you think she didn't get treatment because of what she believed from a religious standpoint? Yeah, I don't know. I. I, I don't know. There's so many. There's so many questions about her. Yeah. We don't know much about her. We don't. I know she might have chewed tobacco at one point. <laughs> Why do you say that? I think Sherry told me that one time. Okay. Papo told me once that he tried smoking. Right. <laughs> this Papo is our dad's dad. We've talked about him some, and we probably should talk about him more in this one. Yeah. But he said he tried. It was like probably in the fifties, you know. And he he like. He smoked. He my head packed cigarettes. And he smoked a cigarette and then laid down on the couch and just started coughing. He was like, "I'm done with this." <laughs> Such a practical man. <laughs> I know. It's just like, no, it makes you cough. I'm done. Yeah. No. None of this. Because <laughs> he never, he never Percy is his name. He never, he never drank either that I know of. I mean, I never saw him do it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Even at, even at dad's second wedding, like, wasn't that a big deal where, um, I remember we weren't there, but when our dad remarried to our stepmother, they served alcohol and Papa yeah. and mom, Papa and Mama kind of made a big deal out of it. Like, why are you doing this? It's inappropriate. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Also, they were big on if you weren't married, you couldn't sleep in the same bed. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's a very – they were very conservative Christian viewpoints that they had. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very conservative. But so dad – but that was that was always so weird to me that 
when you take a step back and look at dad and because he was a bit of a pseudo hippie i think he was a hippie in hindsight we don't know you know, he comes of age in the late 60s, right? And that's free love and all that. You know, all that stuff's happening in Hate and Ashbury and, like, Woodstock. But I don't know how much of a hippie he was during that period. But later on, when we get to know him in the 80s, he's saying that he was kind of, like, all into that scene. I don't know how true it was. Yeah, I I don't either. I mean, I get the sense that he he leaned in those directions and liked those things. But because of his upbringing, maybe he didn't feel like he had the freedom to express it, you know. So maybe. then, as he got, as he got older and began hanging around people who were more like him, particularly, you know, he got into community theater and acting and stuff like that, that he found kind of his people. Yeah, I This is I just it just occurred to me that this is probably gonna be a bit more enigmatic for us than our talking about our mother because. Yeah. He did die at an early age, and we don't know a lot about no, him. It, com- it, it comes from our recollections, really, you know. Yeah. And 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 those now have had a couple of decades on top of it of reflection. So, yeah, I mean, I do think though, from where you started and talking about him, like it's important to know that a lot of who he was, whether by acceptance or even by rejection, was formed by being, you know. And born in a small town, raised in a small town by two, you know, uh, traditional, not 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 really educated parents, you know. No, uh, our grandfather was a. He's from a family of oh, was it set like eight or nine kids, right? It was eight. Eight kids. Uh, their mother died when they were young. Yeah. Uh, they were from Mississippi. They were living in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. They were sharecroppers. Basically, they lived on like they lived on a farm, or a big, big farm somewhere, and picked cotton and beans yeah. and yeah. stuff. And uh, Percy always told us this one story. They were all like sleeping, and they all slept in the same room. I think he always used to tell this joke about how he, you know, he was the, one of the youngest Percy okay. of the group. And I guess they would all sleep on the floor at some point together, like for warmth and he would go to sleep early cause he was one of the youngest. And one of his older brothers would be out doing something and come in at night and make him move and get his warm spot that he had warmed up. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Yeah. So crazy. yeah, they were, like I said, their mother died young and Percy's father's name was Rufus. Mm-hmm. It was a nickname. I think his name was Charles. I don't know why they call him Rufus. No, 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 no. His name, right? no, his name was Rufus. He went by Joe. But was his name Charles? No, it was Rufus. It was Rufus Lester. Rufus right. Lester Mayhall. Anyway, his he name's went, he went by Joe. His name's I. I don't understand. Like, how does how do we go from Percy, like Rufus <laughs> Percy, to Ricky, to Jason oh, Josh? Like, like the name Southern. Still very but the southern. name. But the name Rufus and Percy are cool. <laughs> names and we we get jason and josh like come yeah. on man well come on like I, I do think that uh i don't know i personally like jason and josh more than rufus i and personally percy. like rufus and what if our names were rufus and percy how cool would that be 
I don't think it'd be that cool. Honestly. I think it'd be really <laughs> awesome if this podcast was called Rufus and Percy Talk. <laughs> Well, I think we should. There's there's time to change it. We, could we should probably we should definitely change it to that. <laughs> yeah. Well. So anyway, the story is with Percy when he was a little kid. Rufus had taken up with another woman. I don't know if he was married to her. I doubt it. But they had a step. Maybe they were. They had a stepmother because the story leads in a direction where you think he wasn't married to her, but maybe he was, and he just anyway they picked up. No one liked the the stepmother. Right. She was mean to them or whatever. And then one night, Rufus packed all the kids up in, I don't know what kind of car they had, Studebaker, and drove to Louisiana overnight and left that lady in the dust. Yeah, I get the sense that she was pretty mean and pretty nasty. Right. And That's a crazy story. Rufus is basically like, okay, look, I'm, I'm being forced to choose you or my kids. It's eight against one. Nine, if you count yeah. him. Yeah. Right. But he's in a position where he's like, I picked this woman and eight of my kids hate me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Those numbers don't shake out well. But so, yeah, they that's how they ended up in Louisiana. And that's which, a, which is pretty remarkable if you think yeah, about it. I mean, it it's really like is. we never met our great grandfather. So we never met Joe or Rufus. But that's a pretty brave decision. Like that's a that, that's that's. You know, that takes a lot of gumption. It really does, especially that was probably in the 30s during the Depression. Yeah, and and to think about, like, not only – like, he could have just kicked her out, I'm assuming. Well, that's so, why I think maybe he was married to her and go into another state. It's, I don't know. She, I guess if you had the means, you could track someone down and, like, sue them for, like, what would so you, you call that? You think he just abandoned her? I think he did. I mean, they, they were calling her stepmother. Maybe he was married to her. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I just remember Paul you know, was talking about his stepmom. Yeah, so yeah, definitely and, th- she was there. I don't know what the relationship was legally, but um, yeah, so he just packed them up and took off, huh? Yeah, and they all lived in – well, not all of them, but anyway – they lived like a lot of his family still in Louisiana, and I guess Percy got a job early on at the paper mill. Yeah, and that's kind of the life they lived. They lived in that little house, grew up in the 50s in that little small town in Louisiana. And our, so we talked about the him having that heart issue. He also like when we were kids, man, like he was bald kind of early. Yeah, our dad. He had. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember this. Thing. He lived in that one apartment, one of the first apartments he and Edwina lived in. Edwina was his second wife, and we would go visit him every other weekend. That was the custody stuff that they had worked out. We'd go. He was still living in Monroe, Louisiana, which is 30 minutes south of Bastrop, which is like we've talked about Monroe before being kind of like a a big city, but it was it really <laughs> felt like wasn't. it. It was a big town. On a river. But anyway, dad lived there with Edwina for years, and we would go see them. And I remember one of the first apartments they lived in, we went to go see them. It was probably like a Friday afternoon or something. And dad had gotten dentures. Okay. Do you remember this? I, mean, I remember you had them. I don't remember. Like, remember you, you, don't, you don't remember them? I mean, like you're showing them to us all the time. <laughs> I Afterwards. do. 
I mean, like I just do remember pop, that. Just popping the top ones out all the time. Like, hey, yeah. what about some fix-a-dent? <laughs> yes. I do like, remember he was, was very like, loose with the dentures. He was squarely against fix-a-dent. Yeah, that was not his uh that was not his jam. But so he had those that he had to be like early thirties. And he had lost all his teeth already. Yeah. Yeah. I don't you think never, he was super healthy. You never have you given this any thought? That how early he lost them? And or just like his health, like the teeth, the hair. You think there was something to do with the hair that was health reasons? No. I just think that, okay. you know, but the teeth thing was weird. I mean, you're right. I I I probably have not thought about that, but I should have because you're right. That's a really early age to lose your teeth or to get to the point where all those teeth have to be pulled. Yeah. And then you're and then you're you're doing you're doing the denture thing. I mean, he wasn't very healthy. I mean, the bottom line is like even even you know aside from all of that, you know, like he smoked all the time. I think he I think he was a, a pretty committed, you know, drinker. Um and it's not like he exercised. I mean he did the, he did the random like softball league kind of a thing every now and then. But um there was no like there was no normal sort of exercise or health watch for his diet by any stretch. Yeah, he was not he was not eating salads. He no. wasn't he wasn't like getting exercise. Hey, I remember. Do you remember any of his eating habits? Stuff that you see. <sighs> That's a good question. I mean, I remember he him like in uh, pork rinds, cornflakes. Really? Remember what he used to do with cornflakes? He used to get like a big, like a plastic, like Tupperware bowl, and pour like it was like a tight bowl, but it was deep, and he would pour cornflakes in there, and then like smash them down. So he could get more cornflakes in, smash, like break them up. Okay. And then he would just pour like sugar, oh. like just a bunch of granulated sugar all over it. Really? And yeah. And that, like, when you think back about the teeth thing, you're like, <laughs> all right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of sugar. He also used to eat spam a lot, like spam sandwiches. I do remember that. Yes. Which yes, is like a post-World War II, 50s thing, you know, meat in a can became yeah, kind of popular. But I also remember eat, us eating that at home with mom. Like, that was a quick... Sure. Quick... Uh, but, he ate it, but he ate it, like, when I was in high school, he would, like, he'd have this griddle. Gross. Also, he had, like, a TV in every room. Do you remember which, that? Which was awesome when you were a kid. For us, yes. But, like, you don't need a TV in every room. Yeah, that's true. But this I mean, is the thing. But I think the point you, I'm making is. Let me let you, me ask you this though. Do do you think on t- t- two thoughts on that having a TV in every room? It makes me think. One, do you think part of that was a reaction to growing up in a family that was probably fairly lower to middle class, and like being able to spend your money the way you want to? And two, do you think it had something to do with? Like he had a bit of a fascination, I think, with technology. I think, yeah, I think it's a bit a product of growing up with the fifties and the TV, the advent of TV, and like I think every sort of fifties kid, baby boomer, was kind of probably obsessed with like how technology was moving during that period. Just like he was one of the first ones that we knew, at least that had a personal computer. 
It was an Atari. It was an Atari. No, he had a Commodore 64 as well. Oh, yeah? I remember that, yep. And I remember, you know, he was one of the first first people, one of the one of the few people that I knew who like avidly used his VCR. I mean, avidly, I mean, avidly is selling it short. <laughs> right? I mean, you would yeah. open up a closet door and there would just, just be VHS tapes, nine hours everything. of something like all the Star Wars on one. Completely. Like he, he had, was taping his, like Fraggle Rock and he was taping everything on HBO. He was the first person that had HBO. That's what I was about to say. He he tore HBO up. Yeah. Because that's where we would get to watch. Because there'd be movies. Like we get to go to yeah. basically the the VHS library and go, what movie do we want to watch today? Because he's recorded off HBO. I wonder if that's because he's named after Ricky Ricardo and Glenn Ford. <laughs> Why would that have anything to do with it? I don't know. Like because he's <laughs> just like immediately he's just in the in that world of this like hey. But I don't think that I don't think he's named after those two. I was gonna I was about to ask you, is that a confirmed theory that uh Well I tr- I've done research I did do research on that, um surprisingly. That <laughs> so Glenn Ford at the time he was born in fifty two, like Glenn he was an actor, but he wasn't big. Like he made it big, like Blackboard Jungle is like the thing that kind of made him. And that's I'm- like that's fifty six. I'm, I'm gonna confess. I'm gonna confess to you. I'm not super familiar with Glenn Ford. Yeah, he's plays. He plays Christopher Reeve's dad. He's Paul Kent in the seventy eight Superman. Okay, I can't. I can barely even like bring an image to that. Yeah, if you saw him, you know. Okay. Um, and then Ricky Ricardo, Lucy, Lucy's first year. That show was on like fifty one, fifty two, so it couldn't have been that popular. Okay. And and like some white people naming their kid after a Puerto Rican or Cuban yeah, or whatever he was. I don't, I don't see our grandfather doing that. Right. So I don't. I think this is where the tall tales come in. So you heard him say that that he was named after Ricky Ricardo and Glenn Ford. Yeah. Hundred percent. Dad he said, said that. More, he said it more than once. Wow. I I don't remember that at all. That's, really? No. I mean, I'm not questioning you at all, but that's that. Wow, that's crazy. I think he, but this came from a place where he didn't like his name. He didn't like his name. His real name was on his birth certificate was Ricky with a I Y. I know. I know. So, and he hated that. He always thought, well, why couldn't my name be Richard? I do at remember. Least. I remember him saying that for sure, which is obviously why he went by Rick. Um, and everyone assumed that he was a Richard, and I yeah. don't think I don't think he was quick to correct anyone. He, he and also bothers him a bit when he'd go back home and everybody would call him Ricky. True, family reunions. Yeah, everybody called him Ricky, and he was just like, <laughs> he did it. This is bullshit. <laughs> Maybe he was like you, and he wishes he was named Rufus. I guarantee he does. He did. <laughs> I don't think he like who like Glenn too. Like that's your middle name, like Glenn. Like come on. I've always thought that was a random middle name. Yeah, like who? I don't know. I don't get that one. Who yeah. was the Who was the Glenn fan? I don't think it's Percy. Yeah, man. I know that's a <laughs> no clue. I I don't know. I mean. 
questions we'll never really have answers to, right? So this is what I think led into his sort of tall tailage thing okay. is just like the name. And he's like trying to think of like something cool to sort of like live behind. And so you think part of that is like he was trying to, you know, almost create a backstory and a persona because he was ashamed of the true backstory and persona. Yeah, I think he was trying to. I think he thought it was probably lame growing up, and was and when he got to a certain age, he was just like, I'm gonna. And he, and to be fair to him, everything that he said in that vein was always a, like a joke, because right. he was a huge. He was a funny guy. He very joked. Much. He was very quick and yeah. goofy, and very witty. Yeah. So a part of that was the persona of just joking around and being like, you know, nobody believed him. Cause he could, he like, he could, he had a good way of playing up his Southerness. He could, too. you're right. Yeah. yeah. He definitely could, but he had a good way of hiding it too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, but you know, the old saying, it's like in, in, in every line of sarcasm, there's a hint of truth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do the same thing. I find myself doing the same thing with the Southerness thing is like, people will tell me, like I won't be thinking about it, mm-hmm. and people will tell me they can hear an accent. Yeah, and then some people say that they don't really hear it, but I can play it up. Oh, I can I too. To. Yeah. I can totally play it up. In fact, it's interesting, Josh. I think you know um, one of the things that I'm I'm learning here in living in England is there's so many regional and not just even regional, but like local accents. Like yeah. so, like someone seven miles down the road can have a completely different accent because, you know, these are all like small mining communities and you didn't travel out of it. So um, I actually had to do a um, conduct a funeral a few weeks ago. Really? And, yeah. And which is in COVID is a really weird sort of experience. Um, so anyway, but so I didn't know the person, but I knew a member of the family and they'd asked me if I would be willing to do it. So anyway, I do it. It's like a, you know, it's like a 30 minute thing. Um, cause you can't be too long because of COVID and all this sort of stuff. Well, anyway, afterwards we're walking out and some of the family that were there, people that I didn't know, you know, came up, say, Hey, thanks. Appreciate what you said. And this one guy goes, so, so where are you from? I said, I'm from America. He's like, no, I know that he goes, but where in America? He goes, I think I can place your accent. I was like, okay, go for it. Yeah. He says South Carolina. Man, get out of here. <laughs> I did, but I did give him credit for going for at least being, you know. I mean, he knew it was from the South. Yeah. yeah but South well, Carolina, you know. the South Carolina um, accent is way different. Agreed, but I think that that that's what's interesting is that you can you can hide it or play it up or diversify it a little bit. You know, kind of depending on who you're at. So I, I am like you. I can do that. I find myself slipping into it when I'm around people who are speaking that way much more. Well, like your um, wife? Especially when she <laughs> when she uh, screams. <laughs> yeah, I, or she gets excited. The, the last time I was there, I was uh, surprised that hers. Yeah. Was still so thick. I was like, wow. Yeah. Somebody yeah. brought somebody said something to me the other day or asked me. We, I was work-related, and one of their – they had shut off – they were shutting off a service, like uh, like a cable service or something, and they were based out of Bossier. Oh, wow. And they were like – asked me how you say that. Is it Bossier or Bossier? I was like, it's Bossier. <laughs> Definitely right, Bossier. Right across the river from Shreveport. 
Definitely. We make we make we make fun of my sister in law because she's from there. That's one of the ways to get under her skin, actually, is to say she's from Bossier City. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, it's interesting that you said that. That you said you relate to dad and kind of hiding your southernness. So talk yeah, about that I because think, I honestly I don't think I've ever felt that way. I I think there is a long-standing sort of I don't know what you call it like a stigma for a lot of uh, white men mm-hmm. in from the south that you feel like there's this thing that people from the south are either poor or uneducated. They speak in a certain way where they get made fun of, like, because that accent is lazy and it slow. It, it sort of connotes a lack of intelligence. So you, yeah, you feel like you're behind the eight ball already. Maybe I don't know if that's true, but like you feel like people are looking at you. You feel inferior, yeah, because you're from the south. So yeah, I, I can relate to that. Do do you feel like you dealt more with that when you moved out to California, or were you dealing with that even before? No, I think when I moved out to California, I don't know if the maybe so. Yeah, I probably did. I don't know if it was pointed out to me as much. Okay. In California. Because I guess maybe that's part of the reason why I've not I've not really run away from it. Because it's like okay, I'm lived in Louisiana, then moved to Texas. Then move back to Louisiana, then move to Cincinnati, which, even though it's in the mid Midwest, it still feels more southern than I would say, you know, most Midwestern cities. And so I've, I don't know, I've always kind of, I've always kind of worn it as a bit of a uh, badge of pride. I think I do now, yeah. But early on, I, I probably, I know I've had moments where I was very conscious of it, and I think I probably sound more southern than I think. I, I think we probably both do, yeah. I think – I don't know if you do, but I, I know I have words. I'll catch myself. I'll be like – I'll say law, I'll say lawyer. I'm like, all right. <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> it happens a lot because I've been seeing – I told you earlier I've been seeing this person, this girl, and I'll say things and I'll catch myself. And I was like, I just said that really Southern. Sorry. <laughs> and And she's like – proper midwestern right yeah yeah she's um like indiana she, she grew up in indiana and cleveland okay yeah yeah so yeah sometimes she'll sound very midwestern gotcha yeah so yeah but, so i i do think you know part of that stigma that you're talking about of being in the south i think that's part of what dad was running away from if if that's if that's kind of what we're talking about because you know when you mentioned being a white Southerner and what comes with with that perception. And maybe this is a bit of the back and forth because I think we've talked about this before. I always respected dad for being the type of guy who, to me, seemed to really be open to other races, right? Which was very, very different than most dads that I knew you know, in the South, that he seemed to be a little bit more progressive in that regard. Was that your perception or not? Um, I believe that we touched on this somewhere. I think we, I know, that's what I'm saying. Where I thought that too, growing up. And then when I was young, you know, just starting to date in late teens, early twenties, I dated, I dated a black girl 
And I remember mom telling me that they had a conversation once where they were talking about it. And dad seemed to be flummoxed with it. Like, I don't know. It's the way it is out here or something because we're in Dallas. Okay. But he, he did, but when you say something like that, it doesn't seem like you're totally in on it. Like you, you approve of it totally. It, yeah, you're right. It doesn't. It doesn't seem that way. So I don't know. I mean, he he is a product, just like everyone else, of their upbringing. So he could have been. He I knew him as a super liberal person. Yes, very much. But aggressive you know, in his in his politics and and what seemed to be even relationships as well with you know various types of people. What do you mean? Well, I mean, I guess this might sound kind of general, but like when you're in kind of that artistic scene with actors and, you know, musicians and performers, I mean, you're going to have people who, who just have different lifestyles, you know, whether it's choices in sexuality, whether it's choices in politics. And I think again, like in the deep South, you know, that's not something that is highly encouraged. This is a good segue into his sister. So our dad's sister named Sherry, Sherry Sue Mayhall, <laughs> or she passed away recently as well. Um, but she was gay her mm-hmm. whole life. Uh, but which was never. I was talking about this recently with with some people because they have a gay aunt similar to ours. Mm-hmm. Sort of. We were talking about how someone didn't know about it till they were like nineteen. So the girl I'm seeing, Sarah, didn't know that her aunt was gay until she was like 19 everybody else knew okay but her and i was likening that to our aunt and i was like i knew from an early age that she was it was never talked about though no one ever spoke about it no but we knew because first she was rather masculine yeah i mean again like if you if you were to get into generalistics general generalities she she looked the part very butch yeah yeah. Yes, she had a mullet. She did, she did. As, as is, my my friend recently said, you know, it was the whole business in the front, party in the back. This is definitely what it was. Yeah, it's definitely what kind of mullet it was. But going back to like no one talking about it, like Dad took her in at some point because I guess she had some money issues and maybe some drug issues. But definitely she, money. She lived with them the whole time I lived with them mm-hmm. in Texas. So she was around, and but you know, no one ever talked about anything. It was no, just I mean, I, I do remember, like, I don't know, going places, I mean, whether it be ball games or museums or something like that. And she would bring a friend. Yeah. And, and I do remember, like, so there was acknowledgement from that standpoint. It wasn't like, don't ask, don't tell, but it was, it was more of like, we're just not gonna make a big deal out of it. And to be fair, like, she didn't make a big deal out of it. She was not one of those type of people that flaunted her choices and her sexuality. She was very southern in ways too, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, she actually ended up with another Sherry. She did. Sherry and Sherry. Sherry and Sherry. I don't know what that has to do with sort of like their upbringing as kids, you know, things like that. I don't know. 
I don't know I mean, how it affected them. It seems like there was a lot of repressed stuff going on. I don't well, know. Well, that's what I was gonna say, man. I I feel like you know we're talking about our dad and kind of going a different direction than his parents. Obviously, his sister did the same thing, and so I don't know what type of environment they were raised to where both of them were like, yeah, we're gonna go the opposite direction of kind of the lifestyle that our parents created around us. And to be fair. Like where they grew up, if you have just an inkling of an imagination, you're going to want to get out of there. Totally. You know? Yeah. It's not, there's nothing there but a paper mill. Right. You know, and hot, muggy nights. True. Yeah. yeah. Which leads, which, which leads you back to the shirt, taking the shirt off. <laughs> That's right. Maybe we should have more, more understanding with that. But he ended up marrying our mom. That didn't work out. We've been through that a bit because we covered that with our mother. Um, but we were, you know, so to kind of keep this in a little chronological order, by the time that we come around, uh, he's working in, ad, what, advertising? He's a graphic designer. Um, that, I know right? there was a time, I know there was a time where he was selling insurance because yeah. I, I actually have a memory of him having a meeting at our house when we lived on Parkwood Drive and all these, you know, men in suits and cars, whatever, showing up. Really? Oh, yeah. Totally. How old were you? I mean, they were still married, so... Um, what? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I had to be... I mean, when did they divorce? Do you remember? I thought I was three years old. That you were three years old? Yeah. Okay, so then I'm, I'm close to five then. 1980 79 80 yeah so, so i don't I remember, remember anybody coming over to the house oh no i definitely remember um at least that particular case where he was having people like it was like they were entertaining people and it was like it was like drinks and stuff yeah man wow yeah. what yeah. were you doing I, I mean i guess i was like pottering around or something i'm not quite sure like maybe it, it was like i was there and then i was then mom took me somewhere and left but like i remember the street you know of parkwood drive like just being lined with cars because wow. all those people had come to our house hmm. yeah that's crazy so yeah. insurance for a bit and then you know eventually you're right advertising and graphic design so there was something in the last episode when we were talking about Abraham, we were talking about fear in the Bible being this ready tool to kind of navigate these, that navigates these stories. And it's like a through line through all these stories. You mentioned that that's why one of the reasons you wanted to talk about dad was fear. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think as I've as I've realized over the years in my own parenting that um, you know you as you're training your kids as you're disciplining your kids and as you as you want them to conform to whatever behavior you think is appropriate when they're smaller you know you you can use the the threat of punishment and there's a certain amount of fear that's communicated as you're um, as you're expressing that. But I also realized that over over the years, your hope as a parent is that your children begin to obey you and respect you, not because they fear you. While that might be appropriate, you know, within the first 
however many years of life. Eventually, you want your kids to obey and respect you out of love, you know. So I think my understanding, even as I've grown up in regards to, you know, my faith and understanding God, who is often described within the Bible as a father, has been a reckoning of like, okay, what, how did, what was my relationship like with my own father? And in particular with fear, I would say that a lot of my interaction with dad um, was kind of based out of fear. You know, like I absolutely loved him. I absolutely, in certain areas of life, respected him and looked up to him. But, you know, he had a, he had a pretty, a pretty um, explosive temper. Uh, he was not afraid of confrontation. Even even with, you know, his own children. Um, and so, yeah, so there's I think a lot of my relationship with dad, I think y- y- I couldn't define that relationship without using that word fear. Yeah, I remember when he was working for Howard's, we've mentioned Howard's before. I actually put a found something on YouTube on it on the it's on the um, one of our other episodes. I put I used to put links up. Oh, nice. This is during the pandemic when I had nothing to do. <laughs> I have to go back and look at that for you. Yeah, so there's like a link. Anyway, he works for this place. It was Howard's. It was kind of like a smaller Walmart-y type place. Yeah. And he was. they had a dark room. We were up there. It was like a Saturday. And he was working on a Saturday. Do you remember him kind of working sometimes when you go to work with him? Totally. And they had like this dark room in there. And I just went into the dark room when he was in there. And, like, you're not supposed to open the door, you know. And I knew it immediately and just ran. I just ran away <laughs> and, like, hit like hit under a desk. Because he came out just eyes wide, yeah. like, stomping around. Like, and I was like, he's going to kill me. Yeah. So I had the same fear. Because he was, like, at, as a kid, it, he was very... Like he could go, he, like we always made this, we always were aware and we would talk about it, that he had a short fuse. Yeah. Like it would just happen, like boom. Yeah. And then he'd be over it. Yeah. Really, really quickly. Yeah. But that the fire part of the match was frightening. It was a big explosion. Yeah. 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 And even though the fire went out, the the uh there were bits and parts that were that were left because of the explosion yeah but that, i but i was trying to remember did, did do you ever remember him spanking you oh yeah yeah absolutely i don't yeah. remember i can't remember getting a whooping from him <laughs> a whooping no i do yeah i definitely do i remember you remember when they moved he and Edwina moved in Monroe to their first like house house They'd gotten out of condos and apartments and stuff. Yeah. They, bought, they bought that house. Mm-hmm. I remember a particular time, and I think we've talked about this, where you know they redid all the floors in that house, and he was laying parquet, parquet floors. And I remember there was one time where you and I were doing something, probably fighting and arguing, something like that. And checks out. Checks out. And he was in the midst of doing that, and our stepmother Edwina, like. You know, she didn't really have any sort of say or control over us, and she got so frustrated that she said something to Dad, and he just lit into you and me. And I remember, like, it was one of those with the belt. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So that's a Edwina is something we should talk about probably next the part two. You know, 
It's a big uh, part of it's a big part of his life and our our um our life with him because we yeah. we know we know him more as her husband than as the husband of her mom. Yeah, definitely. And there was stuff that reason why I mentioned the spanking things. I feel, I feel like I just remember mom being more sort of zealous about it. Like she was just like, do you remember the that spatula she used to use? Completely, dude. <laughs> like hitting. Some like it was like some from the Middle Ages. It was like this <laughs> big rusted iron thing, and she would make us like pull our pants down and be bare assed and just wow. Yeah. yeah. Put the hand back there, the hand would get hit. Tear it up. No, and I I remember the day where I was like, I figured out the system. I totally understand. <laughs> I understand how I can win in this game. I'm still getting a spanking, but I know how I can win. And the way that you did it was you show no emotion. You do not cry. <laughs> you do not scream. You just stand there. You take it, and that would make her even mad. But I always felt like I walked away like I got the best out of that one. Wow. Do you remember the 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 refrain of, like, I'm doing this because I love you? I mean, I don't, honestly. Like, I'm sure I remember that being me. said to me and being like, this is bullshit. Fuck. You know, that that is not true. You're doing this because I thought mom was getting something out of it. I don't think she was. Come I think on. she got a little bit of satisfaction. Because, like, listen, well, I know it's hard having kids. It's hard to raise them. And you don't always feel like the lovey-dovey parent. There's times yeah. where you probably don't like your kids. Absolutely. You know? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't – I mean, I don't take any – I don't, like, okay, you felt good whooping me. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah, I mean, the, I think, you know, the – uh the parenting axiom that Candace and I always try to remember, and we we you know are not a hundred percent in this, is you, you never discipline out of anger. Yeah. Right. So I would say for sure our parents would discipline us out of anger. Yeah. And if you're angry and then you're able to take it out in some way towards someone, I'm sure there's a little bit of satisfaction there. Yes. Yeah. And that leads me to their parenting styles and it being influenced by divorce and custody battles because we have talked about this before about how they would use us against each other yeah like which is terrible you should not do that it is and i I feel like whether it's because i've blacked it out or not since we've talked about this recently on the podcast (laughs) it seems like you were used more in that struggle than i was how do you why why do you say that? Well, because you were telling you, you we talked about that story where like you came home one day or something and there were some toys or something and mom's like, Oh yeah, I gotta hold another set of kids whenever you leave. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, holy crap, I've never yeah. heard that or remember. But you that. I don't yeah, I don't you were there. Well, I remember you saying that, so that's why I'm like, maybe I've just like blacked it out or something. Maybe you know? like maybe you weren't interested in the toys or something. I don't know. And I was like, all right, cool, that's fine, no big deal. (laughs) Man, mom has other kids, cool. All right, that's fine. Trying to make straight A's over here. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, that's right. Don't bog me down with that. But I remember, I don't know if I have an instance, though, where dad, but I, I, I do have, like, this sort of vague feeling, remembrance of him saying things about mom. And definitely having some hot sports opinions about William. Well, that's what I was going to say. I, I I feel like 
most of my memories of of dad speaking against mom were really around her second marriage as well and our stepdad and kind of the joint parenting effort that they were engaged in. Um, I mean, my recollection would be definitely, and maybe this is because we spent the majority of the time with mom, but my recollection would definitely be mom speaking more against dad than vice versa. Um, but I do remember feeling the tension of like when we would go back and we would be going back to not just mom, but a stepdad as well. Like I can't imagine how that feels for a dad sending your two boys into, you know, another man's home. I guess you could say the flip side of that too. Mom's feeling the same thing when we go. Probably to so. See another mom. Yeah. Even though yeah. I don't know how we how we like reported back. Yeah, I, I don't either. But did they ask us questions about like Edwina, and we were like, "Yeah, Edwina's cool, but she's kind of weird." Or, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But William's cool, but he's kind of weird. But don't you don't wouldn't you have wouldn't you say though? I don't know how we would have said it or how we would have expressed it, but surely it would have come out. We were obviously so much closer to William than we were to Edwina. Yes. Right? Now, again, part of that was from the fact that we spent more time with him than we did with her. So that's a natural thing. Yeah. But surely that came out in the way Dad perceived William versus the way Mom perceived him. I mean, him. it had to be because of the sports. That's what I'm saying. That was a huge part. Yeah, like huge. What? Because I would still say I would still say today, Josh, that like if I'm giving someone like my like version of my autobiography, I would say that my stepdad William is the one who really taught me how to play sports. He definitely did. Yeah. I mean, Dad would come to those games too sometimes, and like William's coaching them. He's coaching them. I know. How did that feel to him? Wow, I don't think I ever thought about that until now. Actually. Yeah, I don't think I've given it as much thought as I should have from the standpoint of, like, how difficult that must have been. Yeah. You know? It, it had to be. And he never – I don't remember him ever really saying anything like that. Maybe he was better – I think maybe he was better at it than mom. <laughs> than well, that's that, – I think that that's that's how I would probably characterize it now um, because, again, I don't, I don't remember him bad-mouthing her that much. I don't either, Act, to be honest with you. I did think he did not want us to move to Maine. Oh, I definitely know that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. then, then at that point, we only saw him for two weeks in, in the year. We saw him once. In those two years that we lived in Maine, we'd only see him when we went down there for summer. Right. Right. But it was longer than two weeks, though, wasn't it? I feel like it was two weeks. Okay. Maybe That's so. a long time. Yeah. It felt like a long time, whatever it was. It I remember I was telling this to someone the other day about getting emotional because I've always been more emotional, I would say, than you. Like growing up, more of the sensitive kid because I woke up on Christmas when I was three and didn't <laughs> want to have Christmas. I would, well, here's how I would say it. I would say that you showed your emotions more than I did. But I think I'm still sensitive. I still have I'm not that saying sensitivity. You're, I'm no, not I saying you're, you're not. a zombie, but I'm just saying that I probably <laughs> – I'm just saying I, I probably cry more, right? Probably so. Probably so. Because you remember when I went – I was telling this the other day about how I, when mom moved up to Ohio. Yeah. And then I came for Thanksgiving or Christmas yeah. later, and 
I saw mom. She came over that first night. Yeah, you could. And I got, yeah, because I hadn't seen her. She was in a bed. Like, I, I could just feel the despair yeah. off of her. And, like, Definitely. she gained weight. And yeah. it was tough. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. But the reason why I'm telling this is, like, when we would go to Dallas from Maine, we'd fly down there. By ourselves. Uh-huh. And one of the times, I don't remember, might have been one of the first times, we are pre-9-11. Yeah. Dad could come to the gate with you. That's right. And I remember getting on the gate, like me and you walking onto the, like b- about to get onto the gangplank or whatever they call it, to get on the plane and looking back and just crying and not wanting to leave him. Yeah. And he was crying. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do remember those being very emotional times when we were yeah. with him. Because yeah, we, were, I mean, because that's the other thing, Josh. It's like, you know, the 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 life he had created once he and Edwina got married, in particular when they moved to Dallas, like it, I liked that life, you know, like yeah. there was there was a there was a sense of of freedom, you know, like I was telling I was telling someone recently, a friend of mine who's going through a hard time in his marriage, and they've got young kids, and um. And he was just saying, you know, whenever I do see my kids, I just I, I want them I want them to know how much I love them and I want them to feel freedom to be who they are and that sort of thing. And I told him, I said, you know what, I I think that's a good idea because my experience, oftentimes, whether it's right or wrong, fair or not, is that when we would go to dad's, like there was always a sense of freedom. We yeah. ate different things, we we did different things. Um, there were new experiences as well, and we would go back to live with mom as loving and as great and as incredibly supportive as she was like there was a sense of almost um i don't know there's it's not darkness but just a sense of heaviness you know with mom with mom yeah so yeah, to I, leave him to leave him after a long summer with him was very you're right it was incredibly emotional yeah because it was like a it was a, for one thing it's a true. It was a true vacation. Because yes. we were doing like we would go to museums, we'd go to Six Flags, we'd go All to baseball games. games, and like it was fun. Like yeah. it was nonstop fun. Swimming in a swimming pool all the time, and yeah. um, we were in a big city. Yeah. Um, but it was it was more than that though. It was more than that because we he was our dad, and we kind of were deprived of him just of the circumstances of divorce. Yeah. And then, you know, moving to Maine and it's unfortunate that he died so young mm-hmm. because we really didn't get to know him at all in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. It's, I think that that's something I think about more so now mm-hmm. than I did probably 10 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing, but like I was saying earlier about how time, like it's been 23 years and um, it doesn't hurt as much, yeah. you know, when you think about things, it's, it's weird how time works. It, it is. And I, I think too, like, you know, if you just look in, in the last five years between the, between you and I, the conversations that we've had and some of the revelations that we've had in those conversations about how things occurred, like imagine having those type of conversations now with dad and the revelations that we would go, what? Are you kidding me? That's yeah. how it really went down. Yeah. You know, like I, I was in a meeting this past weekend and 
um, one of the guys I was in a meeting with, he was talking about how years and years ago he took his sons up to his his wife's family up in Northern Ireland, and she had an old aunt who was like 80-something years old at the time, and they asked her to tell her story to the kids. And he goes, now those kids, you know, are, you know, in their 20s or early 30s. He goes, so just imagine when they're in their 80s, they've got now like video recording of almost 150 years before someone telling their story, you know, in regards yeah. to, to how they grew up yeah. and just how valuable that is. And I think about that in regards to our dads, like we just, we don't have that. We don't have those answers. We don't have the ability to ask him, well, what about this? Or what about that? What were you feeling when, when such and such occurred, you know, you know, which is really interesting. It ties back to him being like this guy that was sort of on the, on the edge of technology, you know, first computer. Yeah. VHS tapes. He was also the first person that had a camcorder, the big, camcorder oh yeah and he he bought that remember why he bought that it was because edwin's dad was was getting out in later years and he wanted to record him his stories you know like ask him questions i totally forgot about that yeah and we should have done that with him completely i mean yeah hindsight being 2020 but you know to give ourselves a bit of a break, there's no way we would have had yeah, the mindset no. to think about that. No. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, though, is like how I mentioned it before, how he was into science fiction and fantasy. He was a huge comic book nerd. Big time. And he, when we were growing up, you know, in the 80s, and he was still living in Monroe, he, had, he would go to this shop, this comic book shop. And it was, you know, one of those old school things where you set up a thing where they pull comics for you every week right. and he would just get everything. Yeah. Um, he would read everything. He was always like that. Um, and that we became comic book geeks as well because of that. Totally. And to see like where things are today, oh, it's kind of crazy, right? It's insane. I mean, we talk about that at our house too, because like we're, we're literally going through some of this new, you know, Marvel stuff that's being yeah. released with WandaVision and now um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And we were having a conversation a few weeks ago or something. I can't remember what it was about, but it was just about the comic books that our dad had. So our my kids call them Pops. Yeah. So, you know, they'll say, you know, did Pops, did, did he read that? Oh, it was, I know what it was. We were talking about WandaVision and they show the white vision mm-hmm. in it. And in some of the uh, after scenes, whatever, where they talk about the making of the show, they show some of the comic books itself, and they show the the West Coast Avengers comic yeah. book. And I was which like, we, I, which we have mentioned before on this podcast. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, I literally remember that that comic book, and yeah. so just talking to them, just all the stuff he had, like all the things that he the, had what, and then had to get rid of. What's, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. It's like when before we were sort of cognizant of it when we were babies. Uh, he had a collection that he had been collecting since he was a kid. And he had, you know, probably a teenager when Marvel came around. It was, you know, like the early 60s, mid-60s. Yeah. He had the complete, up until that point from the early 60s to the late 70s, he had the complete collections of Spider-Man. Fantastic Four, Hulk, Avengers, everything Marvel had put out from the first issues 
until the late 70s, he had these complete things, and he sold them. I mean, it was in the newspaper. Was it? There's a newspaper article in Bastrop Daily Enterprise of him selling it because it was – Okay, so now my understanding was he sold it because that was part of his way of having to actually like support himself and support – that's my uh, understanding Kid, as well. Kids and that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But that's just sort of uh, fleshing out of like who he was. And we'll get into this in, in the next part. When we truly started to kind of more understand him as teenagers, and yeah. you were more of an adult than I was before he died, but the Texas years, we yeah. kind of talked about that. So at a midpoint, we're what? We're teenagers in Maine. Yeah, I I think we moved there when I was twelve. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably a good halfway point. Okay. Do you think we're halfway through, Dad? I don't, I don't know. What do you think we're at? I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot more things to talk about in regards to just his personality, his his career, his relationships. Well, see, this is what I'm talking about. I guess we can we can get into it, but like we didn't really know him as an artist. We knew that he was in that he could draw, and we knew that he could that he was in community theater. Because like when he was in Monroe, he was in a community theater. Or he was part of it. He was an actor. Yeah. He acted in like. We, there was one play that we always – he did twice. He did it in two different locations, but there was one where he played uh, – he was like a witch. They called the in The Conjuring Man. But it was yeah. a play called The Dark of the Moon or something like that. Yeah, 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 something like that, yeah. But that was always a fixture. Yeah. And he was in one called Lone Star. Well, I do, do remember, remember that. that where yep. it, was just, it was just him and another dude on stage. Was it really? Yeah, it was just him and his brother, a guy playing his brother, and they were like these two like, like hicks from Texas. But he was a really good actor, I remember. He was really good. Yeah. I mean, and so, he was recognized by his peers, right? Because when they moved to Texas and he was part of the Irving Community Theater, like didn't he – and maybe even in Monroe, but didn't he win some awards? Like their end of the yeah, year? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like he was in – they did that play again. They did that play Dark, Dark of the Moon there too. Okay. He played a different role, but he was in Ten Little Indians, hmm. which was really good. Um, I can't remember the other stuff that he was in, but yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It, was, it was fun for him. Definitely. It yeah. also speaks to his personality of being sort of out, like gregarious and extrovert. Very much so. I mean, I think that's the thing that I always respected about him was I felt like he didn't struggle talking with anybody. Like he could really strike up a conversation and and have one with just about anybody in any different way. I mean, I remember them having parties, you know, at their house and all these people from the community theater being there and him just, you know, going from one to the other and just talking and entertaining. And it's like, wow, like that's really impressive, you know, because at yeah. the time, like I was, you know, I was pretty shy when I was a kid. I was pretty much an introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of remember being in, awe, being in awe of that. Yeah, I think I was probably in awe of it too. But he was always like very 
he's always funny, as we said. So yeah. like it was kind of a given. You just kind of like it was part of his personality. But those years in Dallas are kind of where things turned, though, for him hmm. before he got sick. Because he had like uh, trouble keeping jobs. Yeah. Because when we first, when we first, they first moved there, when we first started to visit them, he was working for a printing company. That's right. Buzz. Buzz Print. Yeah. And now I guess that was a pretty good job. Uh, but then he lost that job. And then shortly thereafter, he turned 40. Okay. And he took the year off to do the comic strip. That's right. Which at the time, this is what I'm saying. Like, I didn't know he was trying to do that. I guess he oh, talked about it. Oh, I so, totally remember that. No, yeah. I, re- I remember because I remember. I mean, it's good to hear your timeline of it because I don't know if I'd have been able to put it together like that. But I definitely remember that year, and I remember him um, having set aside time to practice and to draw. And I actually remember Edwina, his wife, trying to keep him accountable. Like, did you do your drawing today? What did you produce? You know, like she was kind of the one who was setting. Setting the setting the pace, if it were. Um, and I remember seeing the drawings. You know, I remember the name of the the comic. I story. remember that too. But I, I'm saying, like before that, what I had seen as far as that comic strip type of thing, because it was like a big dream of his to do that. Yeah, it was. But the only thing that I had seen was like maybe some stuff that was kind of like far side ripoffs. Yeah, they were panels. You know, it was yeah. it was, it was like one panel things. One panel yeah. things that were jokes, you know, like some some aliens come down off a UFO in their fire hydrants, and a dog is like lifting his leg to the fire hydrant alien, and the aliens are like, "Man, these are some unfriendly." Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like but jokes been, like that. But the one that he was developing was more about like it was about his life. life. Yeah, it was, it was, it was an autobiography basically. Yeah, it Because the character looked like him. Yeah, he had a ponytail. Yeah. Remember how long he had a ponytail? Dude, for <laughs> most of my memory, yeah. I always thought it was cool. I'd never I did it at, the, at, at the time I did, but now that I'm looking back at it, I'm like, I don't know if that was cool. <laughs> well, I yeah, I probably wasn't. But, I have well, this maybe pic- to some people. I have this picture I was showing to someone yesterday. Uh, me in high school and him. That was a picture of me and him, and oh, he's got he's got turtleneck and blazer on. That's right, baby. <laughs> that's right. Heck yeah, got the ponytail. I remember him coming to my high school graduation with the with his ponytail, or whatever. Somebody, I, I was I was proud of it. I was like, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Like, at the time, no no other dad was doing that. And, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. I, I mean, also, I actually I remember being in college and. um having a roommate and dad calling me one time and me going hello whatever and then dad said what he said and i was like oh hey man what's up and afterwards i got off the phone and after we talked and my roommate was like who are you talking to and i told him and he's like you talked to your dad that way it's like yeah right i remember in texas when i was living with them i think i might have been a senior but i had a friend that was he was a year ahead, so he had graduated, but he would come hang out. You know, he was like working and going to ju- junior college, and he got a job at Frito Lay because there was like a big, yeah, big warehouse, 
and dad would call him the Frito Bandito. <laughs> <laughs> like he would come over and like he'd have nicknames for all my friends and stuff. Nice. They loved him. They thought he was great. Like yeah. I, I played basketball, he would come into the games and he would wear like like a long coat. Like dads weren't wearing like the long raincoats, you know, those long <laughs> tan sort of like raincoats you'd wear totally. in New York, New York City. Yeah. And he'd have like a fedora on or something or a flat cap. <laughs> But he smoked cigarettes, right? Yeah. So, like, at halftime, he'd go out and smoke with, like, Tim, my friend Tim's dad. Okay. Who was, like, a big, like, he was, like, a Marlboro man. He was, like, punching horses and, like, <laughs> he was, like, a like a rough, tough, strong man. Gotcha. And they would go out and smoke cigarettes together, and they were friends. Common ground. Yeah. 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 So, but I remember him, dad wearing the, we were playing in a tournament somewhere, and one of the kids, what is a, one of the kids I played with, was like, "Man, I like the way your dad dresses, man." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so going back then, when you say that his moving to Texas, there was a real switch there, a real change. Like, what do you mean by that? I don't know what happened. I just know that once I got there. He had, there was a trouble with the job situation. Um, and what, what do you think was behind that? I think it was that I think he took that year off to do the comic strip, which was called Turning Point, by the way. And wait, 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 wait! I don't remember that. What? Are we thinking about two different comic strips? No, that's the name of it. No, 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 it wasn't. What was it, it called? Was Victoria's Secret. No. Yes. Dude, I have the stuff in the. In the safe right now, it's called Turning Point. I promise you. Maybe he renamed it. He could have renamed it. Well, all I know is there was one called Victoria's Secret. That's what I'm glad he changed it. (laughs) Okay. Maybe that was the first. Maybe that was the first iteration. It's called Victoria because that's Edwin's like middle name. I don't even know. I think because that play off the play off the store, you know. Well, it is, but her the character that. Is in the comic strip that plays his wife is Edwina. He he yeah. drew her to look like Edwina, but that uh-huh. was Edwina's. That character's name is Victoria because right. Edwina's middle name is Victoria. Okay, all right. So that's where the Victoria's Secret. I've never seen the the strip where it had that name on it. I I remember seeing it. I've got a vivid memory and image of seeing one of one of the uh, the panels, and it's like a three panel deal. And Victoria's Secret is at the top of it. All right. Uh, I have not seen that. It's always been turning point to me. But anyway, he took a year off to do that, right? And I don't think he could ever get, like, the something happened in the workplace during that year, and he couldn't really. Like, he found a job at a, I don't know what he did once he did the year. I'm not sure what job he got right at, after that, because he was unemployed for a year. He was on unemployment. And he was doing the he was taking his his days to do the the comic strip, and then but after a year because that was the deal that he had made with Edwina you do it for a year, he had to get a job he got a job at a what I can remember at a comic book distributor. Okay. And then this it was a local one in Dallas, and he was like running the office in there, and then this you know comic book comic book conglomerate came in and bought every small distributor and he lost that job okay and he had made 
friends with this guy who owned a big comic book store in Dallas and started working there. Okay, so then where where does the time working for the Cowboys fit into that? I think that is right after Buzz. Okay, because I because what I remember or like, before. Well, what I remember is that when he was working for the Cowboys, because remember that was one of my summer jobs was going with him. Yeah. They were still living in um in a a condo or apartment or whatever it was. Madeira. Madeira yeah. Drive. Yeah. Yeah, it was the one before they they moved into the house. Yep. And I remember I remember it was there as well. He would go upstairs in that bathroom and smoke cigarettes. And do it. And do when other he, things. When he wasn't like, when he wasn't like supposed to be smoking, right. he'd go in that bathroom and smoke cigarettes. You'd go up there and be like, "This smells like cigarettes," and he'd be like, "I don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, there was. I think there was a lot that went on in that bathroom. So, but I remember it was at that place too, though. He was doing the comic strip. Yeah, yeah, that's where he did it. Yeah. Okay, so so that either had to be before or after him working for the Cowboys had to be before or after that conversation. It was before that because it okay. was before I moved there. Okay, all right. Because like you went out there, I remember early one year, and worked at that job. At the stadium. Yeah, this was when you're when we had moved back to Louisiana. Yep, that's right. And you had gone out there early, maybe a week or two before I had come out there. For some reason, <laughs> and you were already working at that that flea market. Okay. And then I came on because you were already friends with that dude, that one dude that we were always hanging out with. There were two guys, yeah. Yeah. From Fort Worth, Brad and something. Right. So uh, that had to be like nineteen ninety-ish. Yeah, probably so. Because like I think you know Jerry Jones had just bought the team. They had just brought in Jimmy Johnson, and they weren't very good. I remember one year we went to a game, and it was like the year where they went like one and fifteen, and then they went like seven and nine or something like that. I think, I think it was the won. year. I think it was the year before they won their first Super Bowl. So it's probably ninety one. Right. Ninety one, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so okay, so and then I moved out there in ninety three, and in that midst of that summer, he was doing the unemployment. Okay. All right. Right. So then. Uh, 94, 95, he's struggling. 96, he's struggling. He gets sick. 96, 97, 96. So, so between – so during that time, though, you're saying he was working for that comic book distributor and then the, the local comic book shop. And that's that's where he worked until he died. Okay, I do so remember that sick. part. Yeah. That wasn't a good job. That's like a minimum wage job. Right. So I always had this feeling that that was some strain on their he and Edwin's marriage. It had to be, right? Yeah. I mean, come on, like she and I and I had the vibe too that he was feeling some self worth issues and like it's you know no, it's normal. Yeah. So. So you you picked up on that, but did you ever hear anything? Like, was there any? Like conversation you picked up, or was it more just a feeling that you had? There was fighting. Okay. About that? About money and jobs and stuff? I don't know. I just can remember sometimes they'd be yelling at each other. Yeah. Um, I had my own issues as a teenager. 
What, what the trying hell, to Josh? trying to navigate like <laughs> who I am in love with at the moment. Uh, playing basketball. What what your jump shot looks like? Yeah, you know. But like you know, you're when you're in, when you're in high school like that, you kind of don't always like you know you, things are going on, but you're not really yeah. dialed into that. Yeah. But that but I do remember just feeling like like he like he just wasn't like it was an issue that he couldn't sort of find a good gig. Well, I always re- I I I think as I got older, I always began to think through like. I wonder how this is set up, like from a just from a money standpoint, because it's like they they were pretty generous with us in regards yeah. to like taking us places and experiences and going out to eat and that sort of stuff. And I always remember the credit cards coming out, and I was like, I wonder if they were the like type of people who just lived on a lot of credit. Well, I think Edwin had a pretty good job. I mean, she did, but but she was also. I mean, she was an assistant to somebody. Like, she was a, I guess you could call it an executive assistant. So I do think it was a good job, but I don't think it was, you know. Mm, maybe they were living on credit cards. I don't know. I don't know. No. But I do. I, I think you're right. Even in the 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 time that I would spend there during the summers, you, you did feel that tension a little bit. Yeah. That's something I wanted to get in in the next. Okay. One about sort of like because there's some stuff that happened between you and him. There's some Definitely. stuff that happened. There's stuff that happened between me, me and him too. Yeah. Like, oh, I think that would be uh, I'd be good to walk through and to give each other's perspective on it as well. Yeah. And there's other things too that we could talk about is just how kind of cool he was too. You know. So I guess we yeah we'll end it here and we thank you for listening. There's more if you're wanting more. Stay tuned. Yeah. Um, and also, I think in the next episode, we should probably tie in whatever previously happened with Abraham. Like, maybe we can make some parallels. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, we could do that. That's what kind of led to this. Yeah, definitely. So. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you for listening to my brother Deep, Brothers Deeper. Otherwise known as Rufus and Lester. Rufus and no, Rufus and Percy. No, Rufus right? and Percy, sorry. Rufus, Rufus and Percy. Which one are you? Which one do I get to choose, or you get to choose? Which What's your preference? I like Rufus. You like Rufus? Yeah. Okay. I'll 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 hang on to some Percy. Rufus and Percy take on the internet. <laughs> That's right. Watch out, world. All right. That's a really good place to end it. Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Bye.